T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Oh, yes. We are pleased to have a Monday and another week to do our thing. It's wonderful. I if I if I don't think about it all the time I remind myself to think about it all the time that it is wonderful to to live in a place where free speech was decided upon 240 plus years ago and it's kind of baked in like people don't people take for granted that we can get together here and say what we want to say I know there I know the left is working on uh, closing down free speech in some realms like on social media and that this is very dangerous and scary that we all have to have utter respect for the notions of liberty that underpin our system but but you can at least look at talk radio or look at other areas where speech is vigorously practiced and realize just what a blessed glorious thing it is to have that privilege because that privilege is necessary to create a marketplace of ideas. And we know that without the free exchange of ideas, we are in trouble. Like That's the first thing you have to have in order to have a free society that is functional. It can't be a functional free society if it doesn't have good ideas flowing freely because ideas are what it's all about. And then you go from there. Then you need the freedom for all the other markets, but you certainly have to start with a vibrant and open-ended free exchange of ideas. And then you can have everything else. Then you can have uh, debates over schools. You can have debates over, over uh, restaurants and, and, and markets and everything that the world has to deliver. And at every turn, you have to stand there and say, nope, we have to insist that government mind its business and leave us alone. And that's just how it has to be for a society to be successful. Now, of course, we're, we're way down the path going in the wrong direction. And I've got a little more of that Ezra Klein I want to play for you. If you uh, heard what I played last hour, this is an adjunct to that. I just think it's very powerful stuff coming from a liberal. He's a columnist for the New York Times, and he hosts one of the more popular political conversation programs in America. 
And it, I love listening to him talk. First of all, because I use podcasts at like 2 in the morning when I want to get back to sleep. And Ezra's got a voice that is just so sm smooth and soothing. It puts you back to sleep really fast. So I, I particularly appreciate him through that. But I also like his how smart he is and how insatiable he is with his reading and uh, absorption of information. So listen to, and how honest he can be, listen to Ezra talk about the failure of big government as created by Democrats. I think this is really informative. Let me push a button. Here we go. It is a central problem for liberals that in places where liberals can govern, they cannot govern better. They do not govern better. And when I have looked into that, and have tried to focus in on it, it's not as easy as they don't believe all the things I believe, and if they did, then they would govern great. It is that the way governance is built in blue areas, and nationally for that matter, often by Democrats and liberals, has made it really, really hard to wield power. The, the, the government that, that Democrats have created inhibits their ability to push the, their liberal ideas into effect. They may put them into law, but what Ezra is saying here is they can't put them into effect. They can't implement the law. So they just, they just pass the laws and say, job done. There's different versions of this. Paul Sabin talks about it in Public Citizen. Mark Dunkelman, has had, uh, who, who's a, a researcher on some of these issues, had this great piece in Politico a while back on why it's been so difficult to upgrade Penn Station. See, I don't know who those guys are. And, and one of the things I like about Ezra is he knows who everybody is who creates any kind of uh, scholarly work on anything. But the basic shape of the river here is that there's a strain of liberalism that is very comfortable and excited to wield power. And then a strain of liberalism that rose in reaction to that and in reaction to sort of the New Deal liberals and progressives wielding power and often heedless, reckless, terrible, racist ways. Think Robert Moses building highways through black communities. Think of corporations or governments dumping toxic waste into rivers. And they created, among other things, a very legalized system in which it was very easy to sue the government, stop it from doing things, try to you know make it do more environmental analysis. That's all for the good, and it did a lot of good. And then over time, it got kind of crustier and crustier. So I mean, you know, environmental impact reports went from pretty swift, relatively thin things to these like multi-year behemoths now that they are. So things just don't get done. They just don't happen. Wow. How about that? Now, if you think about that as an epidemic, which I believe it is, the government simply is not capable. And I've been saying this for months, but it's it's fun for me when I hear it articulated somewhere else, particularly from somebody on the other side of the political aisle who's recognizing and pointing out the same dynamic. Government does not do things anymore. It spends the money. And because it can't actually implement the policy anymore, it spends the money, and that's good enough because spending the money buys the votes. It secures the votes of the people who benefit from the flow of those funds. So, for example, they campaign for more money for education because you're denying our kids a good education. We need more money for schools, they will say. And it gets passed, and then nobody ever looks at it to see if there's any cause and effect there to point back at and say, wow, this is good. Look how much smarter the kids are getting. No, they get continually, uh, they, they go down the tubes further. Well, you can't measure that. No, you can't, because they loosen the standards to make sure 
then nobody will see that things go down the tubes faster. But the point of raising the money, the point of implementing the new ideas, is to make sure the money gets spent. And this is why they keep going back to the well. They keep increasing the size of government. Governor Lamont is running for re-election under the idea that he's cut taxes, which, of course, is a lie. He has raised taxes enormously, increased the size of government substantially. But he runs around because he happened to pass a small tax cut that he had promised at the beginning of his administration and it came at the end and half of it's temporary. But still, he's pretending that that is the net effect of his governorship as opposed to the net effect being higher taxes. And lucky for us, he's doing that at a time when everybody is starting to realize just how out-of-control government spending is at a, at a moment when we're suffering from the inflation created in large part by that overspending. So this is, this is where we are with government and why big government has, has not acknowledged its failure because it's figured out a way to rig the system to keep voters coming back for more even if nothing good is happening with the spending of money. They see the flow of money. Some of them feel its effects and benefit from those effects, so they move on happily. All right, let's, uh, let's play some rants. And in about 25 minutes, we're going to talk religion and how we might be suffering from, from not having it in our lives anymore. So stay with us for that. But let's get the rants going. God, um, this is Monday. And I just want to talk about why July 4th will not be a celebration for a lot of people. First, July 1st, diesel will be up nine cents more. Yeah, Ned. So everything that's brought in by truck will increase. All our food prices are going up again. Go, Ned. Electricity will get their rates up. And All also right, our, Ned. July 1st comes our property and car taxes. Go, Think Ned. Think about it. Elections have consequences. I hope everybody starts to wake up. Those Democrats love their big taxes, don't they? Wow. Inside of the White House, where Joe Biden rules, he has no conception that his party will lose. Joe lies all the time. His failures do shine. But come in November, us voters will remember to kick out Joe's members. I like that little uh, departure from the melody at the end. Hi, Todd. It's me again. So listen, please tell everybody that if this uh, nine-cent diesel tax goes through July 1, uh, know that out-of-state truck drivers don't get their diesel here. They get it from out-of-state. Therefore, the only ones that will be hurt in this state are the people who buy it in this state who are Connecticut citizens. So, you know, you're only screwing yourselves. Later. Well done on that argument, Gladys, because the governor argues it from the other side. He says, he says, well, never mind. I don't want to repeat his arguments. You made a good point. Oh, Todd, it's about 10 after 5 on Sunday, Father's Day. A wonderful day. It is. I'm tired. Very tired. What is June? A national holiday. Oh, Juneteenth you're talking about. Juneteenth. It, it is a national holiday. A national holiday. 
What about Wounded Knee? The American U.S. Cavalry, which is I am a member of, proudly of, but ah, slaughtered women and children. Women and children slaughtered at Wounded Knee. Where did we have a national holiday for what we did to the Native Americans? John has a good point there. You know, the, these things are, are given out for political, the political benefit of the, the people making the vote, not for a better society or because it's not the most, or because it's the most deserved holiday. But on the other hand, Juneteenth is a certainly a legitimate holiday for there to be. They just should have, if they're going to get rid of the Italian day, they stole the Italian day, right? Or they're stealing the Italian day. You can't say Christopher Columbus anymore. Forget about have him enjoy his holiday and have Italians enjoy their holiday anymore. That's not allowed. And, and uh, you know, it would have been better to, to, instead of just granting an Indigenous People's Day, it would have been better to do something um, worthy with that holiday. And you shouldn't be giving out more federally recognized holidays. It requires that eventually all the state workers will have it off. And, you know, you can't just have a four-day work week across the board because you're working for the government. 860-522-9842. We'll pause briefly, take some more calls. Coming up on WTIC. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. 860-522-9842. We're playing the rants. You can always feel free to call during the rants because we play calls during the rants. And the rant line number, 860-751-4698. Joe gave a speech the other day and said, hey. And we now know it was CEO. If, uh, uh, the thing he was trying to say. <laughs> that was one of the great Joeisms, wasn't it? It was so presidential. Dad, you've mocked me many times. I have. Well, not really mocked you, but teased, I think, would be the best way to put it. And you always handle it well, Margaret. I don't take it personally because you're the master. Of mockery. I don't you know mocked about that. other people too. You're well, still yes. the master of mockery. I don't know about that, but I like to do it once in a while. You're very practiced at it. But I, a little bit, yeah. Not as much as some people. But I will tell you this. Who mocks you more, Anthony? Me or Shattuck? Tell the truth. Give me that wise smile. Shattuck by a long shot, right? <laughs> Shattuck is kind of an automatic mocker. He's got particular structures he goes to. And triggers that he falls into. Like today, what was that? <laughs> oh, about just, you having that photograph. He did that before, too. It wasn't the first time. On on the same photograph? Yeah. <laughs> yeah see, I would never mock you for that. I think that's kind of sweet that you do that. But don't tell Aww. Tom or I'll get mocked. <laughs> Other than some rock bands and a few pasta recipes, I have no idea how culturally sophisticated you are well not very at all but why why is that uh, relevant to anything why do i have to be culturally sophisticated anthony has enough of that for both of us 
Hello, Todd. This is Everett from East Hartford. This has to do with the uh, transgender issue they're trying to push in the grade school, grammar school. Um, are they going to bring transitioning? In other words, somebody that transitioned into a woman and dissatisfied and very depressed and wants to go back. Um, I think, in fairness, they should talk about both sides. You know, there is no fairness in government. There is simply combat. And issues are things that get thrown at from one side to at the other. They're weaponry. They're not. They're not a desire for better governance or better outcome for the the society. And, and that's the point of that Ezra Klein sound I was playing earlier. That the government is not effective at achieving the things that it tries to rally you around. It just uses those to create the illusion that it's pursuing policy when it's actually just pursuing higher taxation and the allocation of resources to particular power centers where that benefit a particular party. Ryan Shatner didn't want to talk sports this morning because the Celtics and the Red Sox lost. He wanted to talk about the hearings. Of course, not political. What a schmuck. A fair weather fan. That's why I don't listen to him anymore. Take a break. I'm sorry. Bye -bye. I, I didn't realize you were you, you were mentioning Brian at the beginning of that, or I wouldn't have played it because, uh, you know, he's got his prerogative to talk about whatever, and I don't see what's wrong with uh, wh whether he wants to talk sports or something else. Was that what he was accusing him of? Did you follow that, Anthony? Because Brian saying, wouldn't talk about sports? He was saying Brian will talk about sports, but the Celtics lost and the Red Sox lost, so he didn't want to talk about it. So that makes him a bad person? That's kind of, I mean, who doesn't feel that way? Hey, Todd, after watching the January 6th hearings here, I'll tell you, no one even could have imagined that it was this bad, that a president would literally try to get his own vice president killed because he wouldn't support his own lies. I mean, what do we live in? Some kind of a third world country under this president? See, when you are, no, no, you don't have to do that. When you are demented and, and, um, and think that there's a difference between the two sides in terms of how, how rough they play the game that they're in, which there isn't, then you make statements like this. But if you actually examine what's going on, you'll find that the only difference between Donald Trump and the left and Democrats is that he doesn't cover it up with sweet talk and perfume and, and mouthwash. He just lets the stench of it all hang out there for everybody to see, which was one of the reasons I was very supportive of him when he ran for office, because I thought better to have honest scoundrels than dishonest ones. And that's why I thought, that we would benefit, as we did with great policy from Donald Trump. Now we have somebody who's completely incompetent, equally as malicious, and who's, uh, who's pursuing policies that are very bad for the country. It's unbelievable. And if you watch this stuff, you can't even make this stuff up. It's so bad. Of course you can. They made up this whole investigation. It's a one-sided, scripted, choreographed professional Hollywood production designed to make sure that Donald Trump can't get elected president. It is, in effect, 
a continuation of the coup that they began when Donald Trump began his campaign for the Republican nomination. Trump needs to go to jail immediately. Well, I feel that way about virtually everybody who's uh, playing high-level politics. But I'm not sure if we have laws, and certainly we don't have the ability to jail people just because they're criminals. 860-522-9842. No, that's how, you know, we are a democratic society. If people don't support jailing, then we don't do it. Stay with us on WTIC. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Feinberg Show. Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. It's WTIC. Good afternoon. Anthony and I were just talking about the uh, that sound we were listening to from Ezra Klein. The liberal guy talking about how the liberals are making a mess of governance. And, and I really feel so privileged that we live in a society not only where people can say what they want to say, but where occasionally there's somebody willing to tell the truth about his own side's failures. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, to, joining us now is Greg Charpentier. He's been on a couple times before. He's a therapist, and and but but he's more complex than that. He served in the Navy, I believe, and he comes from, I think, I think Greg can clarify, but a kind of a traditional working-class background and has... Um, tons of kids and he's a fascinating character and i like his perspective on things so he wanted to talk about religion today which i like because i assume that greg wants to talk about how we suffer from its disappearance but i'm not sure about that greg welcome back hey todd how are you did i did i get anything wrong on that introduction uh, uh, amazingly no my my father was a, a truck driver and actually a very very religious man um and as blue callers they come actually we were looking at my, my old house on Zillow. That does, it, it just it actually just got demolished. But it was, I grew up in a house that was 588 square feet. So 
So I think Yikes. working class, not not very large income growing. <laughs> Does up, that include yeah. the basement? There was no. Well, there was a basement, but I think it was like you couldn't even stand up in it. Like basement. crawl space. Yeah. Okay. We got the picture. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, Todd. So yeah, you. I do. I'd, I'd love to talk about religion and. I, I don't know. So I, I'm not really the most religious person in the world, although I did grow up um, religious. But I do, when I look at the world today, I, I, I miss it. I miss – well, let's just do this. So so psychology is, is my world, and that sort of could be best defined as why people do the things they do. And religion was like a great answer for that for a long time. And, you know, when I, when I think of like, you know, the, the atheists and – People who are very anti-religious, or even like Nietzsche, who wasn't exactly an atheist, but everyone knows that quote when he said, you know, God is dead. And and I think that brings up to me not so much like um, a, a common of spirituality, but morality. So if God isn't in our society, mm-hmm. like what provides that objective morality? And like what provides the guardrails that keep our behaviors in check? And I think like now and that you see religion drifting further and further away from, you know, the norm, I think you're seeing behaviors that you hadn't seen in the past before. There's nothing there to kind of, to kind of like bump off of and keep us in the straight and narrow. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to, to kind of keep us on this path to righteousness, which I think is kind of sad, right? Am yeah, I, let, me, let me just uh, bring it to another level, too. I, I think that we lack a forum where it is acceptable or encouraged to even have conversations about such things as the meaning of life and morality and our responsibility to others. Yeah, and, you know, it's almost like this thing. It's funny that you, you say that because it's there, there should be a forum, but there's not because people tend to think of now when you look at the religious people on the news or, you know, in social media, it's always this kind of like, bumpkin like this silly person who doesn't who isn't like logical enough to understand how the world really works but when i think about what logic really like the the highest evolution of reasoning you know it isn't this like logical i know this and this is a fact and i can prove this i think it's it's the sign of a smarter more healthy human being the person who can suspend logic and be and think like wow like yes all this is here but there's still a lot to be explained, and there's still a lot we can't explain. And there's things that you have to use your brain to suspend logic, which is what gotten us to where we are today. Like people who thought, you know, the Earth was the center of the universe, you know, they had to suspend logic. That was the truth for so long. Like that was science. So I just, I just think it's silly for people to say that religion is is isn't for the smart people. Isn't it? It, it takes a bigger brain and a in a you know, and more optimistic brain to say, no, there's more, there's more. You know what well, I'm saying? I do. I'm not sure if I, if I agree with the part about logic, but oh. at the same time, I do understand that there is, that I can't understand what living in faith is like, because you can't experience that, I don't believe, if, if you weren't raised in faith or, or haven't somehow converted later in life, which would be harder. But I, I'm an atheist, and so, so I can see can I, that can I world. Can for a second, though? Can I challenge sure. that? Because yeah. I, I did have a friend, or, you know, it, you know, you know, actually I've had patients, too, and I obviously don't give any names or anything like that, who were staunch atheists, mm-hmm. right? And then something happened there in, in their lives 
where say that like a super tragedy, like maybe they lost a child or something. And then they have to use their atheist brain and say, yes, I, I, um, I, I am an atheist. So I know that there is never a chance I will ever see this person again, or they can suspend that logic and think, you know what, let me find, let me find meaning in this. Let me find religion. Let me find like a path to, to spirituality so that maybe it's possible. I can instill hope back in my body so that I can live and go on. It gives us meaning. Well, but you know, you're it, describing it as a trick we would play on ourselves to to cope with an uncopable situation. Well, maybe, but maybe it's also, but like, you know, we're playing tricks on ourselves right now anyway, uh, trying to assume that we know everything. I think it's a nice trick, I, mm-hmm. I, and I don't think it's, I don't think necessarily it's a trick because it's really, how can we really understand or fully explain it? Well, I'm not, so I don't claim to be a devout atheist because that's that's contradictory i every bit of evidence i've ever seen of life convinces me that the construct that the world and i don't even know i don't think most people actually believe when they say they believe in god i don't believe they believe in god in the way that everybody thinks they believe in god they just they believe in the star wars god that idea that there are forces in the universe, I'm totally on board with that. I just don't call that God because I think of what people term God as being this thing that is top-down, that there is somebody sitting there at the, uh, at the uh, controls of the tractor of the, of the universe and pulling on those levers and making the buckets go up and down and stuff like that. And I just I don't buy that kind of projection of, hu- of, of the human form into some power center that controls uh, through a conscious mind how we live our lives. I think we live our lives based on the forces of the universe, which is contrary to the notion of God as I understand it, that religion teaches, which is there, there is this all-powerful, um, extra-scientific, extra-physical world creature that can make anything happen in the universe, but chooses to have everything aligned according to the laws of nature and, and, and science and all. So, so to me, can, those, those things Todd, don't coexist. That, I'm sorry for interrupting, but no, you, you, can go. See, you can see what that, like that example I gave, you can see that what that would have done for someone's morality, right? And if you can think about that, like across, across the, um, sorry, one of my kids just came up, but if you That's can okay. see what that would do for like the society, right? Like imagine you know, that person who had no help, who had nothing, who had just pure apathy, because there's no, there's no point anymore. There's no meaning. Imagine what, what, what religion has done and could do for things like... Well, that's community. a whole separate conversation. I'm with you on that. I think yeah, religion family, has great right? value. I just don't happen to believe in it. Then what drives your morality, Todd? Like, what is it? That well, I, I believe that we are, uh, that morality is kind of self-explanatory that we we want to be treated a certain way and we know that we should treat each treat each other a certain way we have people who we love and we want those people loved and protected by strangers just as we would if if there were a child in trouble or or an innocent before us and we could help we would lift a hand on behalf that that comes from within us i think we own that and and that's natural for us to do Unfortunately, I, I wish, like, you know, that's coming from a person like you, Todd. You're, you're, you're on the radio. You're a very logical guy. You have good values. You have good judgment. 
you know that what's good for the most amount of people is, is what's good for you. But I think that form of morality we're seeing in society is too subjective. I think there needs to be – we need to go back to a place of objective morality. And it's sad to say that, but I don't think our society – has enough morality like there's not enough people like you or or i i mean that's giving ourselves a lot of credit too but like there's not enough people like that to sustain this obviously look what everything that's going on there's shootings there's this well okay so let me put it in a different construct because i think we're basically in agreement as we usually are we're talking to greg charpentier who's a uh, therapist and you know, his unique perspective on these things that we view as being political, I think, is really constructive to explore. It seems to me what you're talking about is that we have sicknesses of culture and we have sicknesses of individuals who come out of a subculture, perhaps like a family, where they are psychologically messed up, thus the need for people like you to help them straighten it out. And the idea of religion was to have a... sort of a police force of morality to protect people from their own worst instincts and from the worst messages that they gather from their uh, behaviors that are driven by the uh, sickness in their culture. And I think in particular, as our culture gets sicker, as it is right now, that we need what you're talking about more. And I don't disagree. So the premise of our conversation, I think, is agreement that we would benefit from more religion. I just don't happen... I was raised without religion, and I can't see my way toward believing it, but I certainly believe we need the structures that it had that teach people how to think about being a good person and even put goodness on the table as a priority. I, I Yeah, I do agree with you on that, because I don't think that it's absolutely necessary that, um, you know, and maybe religion, and it's maybe, like, you know, maybe we don't have the right language for it right now, but I think that you know, what religion provided for the family, mm-hmm. for, you know, community, for civil responsibility. I, I wish there was a way that we could get back to that. I wish there was some kind of construct that, that could be applied or, or some kind of objective thing that we're... And, you know, even maybe back, maybe it wasn't even religion as much, or maybe it was a combination, like, you know, patriotism or national pride. Maybe that's something, too. Like, who are we as, who are we as a society? Like, what, you know, if... If there's something that makes us us, then people who do these things like shootings and, and you know, vote Democrat can't, you know, they can't be, they can't exist in this society, right? It's, there's something that we're missing something. We need, I think, I do, Todd, I, we agree that, like, m- religion is something that obviously helped and projected our society into what it is today. I, I, I think where we, where we separate a little bit is I think that it needs to come back. And I think it needs to be not just something logical. I think it almost has to have that supernatural element to it because it just provides so much meaning. It provides so much character and it, and it keeps us on track. We're, like we know where we need to go. Like our, our initial end goal is to get to heaven. Say, right. Right. Uh, hold, hold that thought. That. Cause let's talk about when we continue, we'll have a few minutes okay. after we take a break. Let's talk when we come back about how you would build it, because there are challenges there as science progresses and we come to know certain things or believe certain things to be true, then it makes it harder to have a society have religion. So it might need some reconstruction. We'll talk more with Greg Charpentier when we continue on WTIC.
now back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. Greg Charpentier is here. He's a therapist. Is that is that when you call yourself a therapist? Is that different from being a psychologist? I don't I don't understand if I'm using the right terminology. Um, yeah. Well, so yeah, I'm a therapist, meaning I only I only have um, a master's in science. So a psychologist just gets the PhD. It's the okay. same licensing and everything, though. Mm-hmm. Just wanted um, to just wanted to get to the bottom of that terminology. Yeah, yeah, and a psychiatrist, if you want to get a little bit Oh, further, they do drugs. They, yeah, they just say, so a psychologist doesn't they, prescribe drugs like psychiatrist does. Psychiatrists are doctors, medical doctors, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. All right, thank you for that. So so back to our conversation on religion. What would, how do you see religion, if at all, needing to be modernized in order to maintain its relevancy? Well, I think trying to, like, like if you think of maybe the Catholic Church specifically, trying to modernize it might—this is a difficult question, obviously— but trying to modernize it might actually take away from the credibility. That's what I find has happened in the, the, like the Catholic Church. Um, not that I follow it to completely, but my, my parents still do, and mm-hmm. it seems like the, the rules are constantly changing, and maybe that—and maybe the, the babies don't go to hell thing. That's a good change, but mm-hmm. maybe there's some changes now where, like, maybe they're backing off on— some abortion things, and I think that a lot of people who are really religious are like, well, I don't know about that, and I know that's controversial for me to well, say. Well, no, that, it but. does. It strikes at it, it strikes at their credibility, but at the same time, I think of a lot of those rules being put into place as having been the laws that were made to put the fundamental principles into application based on the time they were living in it, and as times right. change, that it makes sense to adapt the laws, the rules, as it were, for the Catholic Church, which is the most government-like of all the religions, I think, except for maybe Islam. Um, yeah, but maybe, for, Todd, the difference is, like, yeah, those rules should change for the betterment of society. But when you start to see it be at the detriment of society, that's, that's when we're seeing maybe we need to, to pump the brakes on the changing of all the rules. So what, what, these... which changes that you've seen are detrimental, do you think? <laughs> so, uh... I mean, that's a longer—honestly, I honestly, I think that the Catholic Church should take a stance on, I, I think, abortion. I think, I think there's times when abortion is probably makes sense, and that is when it's like sexual assault, rape, um, you know, obviously, like, incest, things like that. But I think the lackadaisical approach, like, eh, maybe this is okay, I think it should be something that's really a really difficult conversation. I, and I know that's, that's putting me in a position where— um, I just don't think I don't have the answers. I'm I'm a man. I, I don't I, I don't pretend to understand um, all the complexities of being a woman. Well, I but back to the point you were going to make about abortion. Why, if if the abortion, it's an interesting question. If if abortion is bad, why shouldn't it be bad across the board? Why isn't that soul, that life, worth protecting, even if it's created in a situation of rape? That's that's actually a really good question. That's like a, a bit—I'd have to do sit down and do some, like, ethical thinking on that. That's but but really I come down on—see, see, I don't think these should be prescriptions that come from the outside. Yeah. I, I believe that humans have to make certain decisions based on the circumstances, because sometimes the circumstances are so agonizing and— And that's it right there. Brutal. I think you're, you're nailing it. That's, that's, but that's—sometimes we see— 
you know, I think the biggest problem that people have is they see things in black and white. Either this is right or this is wrong. And like it, huge issues like this, like this, like gun control, all these issues that are like have become so political, politicized are so nuanced that yeah, it's almost like every circumstance, every um, it, it deserves its own set of thought, like hard thought. It's not like oh, this is okay across the board, and this is not okay across. So the, the board. so the rules under this uh, system that maybe over time we can develop together of of how to look at. <laughs> a, a religion for the present would be about how one approaches it rather right. than what conclusions you would come to. Right, absolutely. And I think, I think to say that, like, I think the ethical framework that religion provides is, is worthy enough. So like, you know, saying like we can poke holes in modern religion, of course we can, but we can, we can also poke a hell of a lot of holes in the law. That's another thing that governs our sure. ethical framework and the government. I mean, geez, absolutely. How can you poke in that? That's so all we do is like, poke holes in it. As a matter of fact, it is just one big hole. I know. It's all, it's all crumbling. And so I think that we need to take a step back and look at everything and say, hold on, this isn't working. What was working? What can we use from that? And then what needs to go from that? And I think maybe that's, that's what we're getting to here. Greg, thank you. This was a great conversation. Let's uh, do it again. All, all right. right. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. Greg Charpentier, he is a uh, therapist. Not a psychologist or a psychiatrist, because he's a working-class guy who uh, got what was necessary degree-wise so he could go and help people, which is kind of cool. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 